Um, If you would, please, open with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew in chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read the first, first 13 verses this morning, and then next Sunday we're going to read some more of uh, Matthew 25. So, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all of those virgins, they arose and they trimmed their lamps. Now, if you're in here for the first time, you're like, well, that's super weird. Don't worry, we'll make it make sense in a second. And the foolish one said to the wise, give us some oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, least there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. Now, when they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Isn't that the way it always works? You're waiting on UPS, and you got to run to Walmart for five minutes. Oh, sorry we missed you. Your next appointment six months from now. You don't know the day or the hour, but he is coming. Uh, anybody who tells you they know when Jesus is coming back, they don't know what they're talking about. I remember back, some of y'all will remember this. It was 1988, and some dude wrote this book. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. Needless to sell, it didn't sell very well in 1989. You know, I mean, all of these things, everybody's tried so hard to predict when Jesus is coming back. But here's the thing. You can't know the day. You can't know the hour. But you can know the season. You can know the season. See, this whole parable starts we're uh, back in uh, chapter 23 where Jesus is talking. He's telling different things. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. He, he prophesies what's going to happen to him and his return. And, and his, his disciples come up to him, and, and they're like, whoa, Jesus, we've got some questions. When is all of this going to happen? And so Jesus goes into these stories to tell them, hey, listen, you can't know the hour. You can't know the day, but you can know your season. And so here's the thing. I think understanding what season you're in is absolutely pivotal in life. If you don't understand your season, you could start acting and behaving in a way that is outside of what God's trying to do for you. Um, Just, I guess about a week ago, we've got a few crazy folks in the church. Uh, My man Tyler back there on, on the videos this morning Him and a few other people, they did this thing called the polar plunge, where you jump into the ocean at like 12 degrees freezing outside, and there's ice on the ground, and my man is in board shorts, and I'm like, y'all crazy, and then there's some other folks that went surfing at midnight to surf in the New Year's, and I used to kind of do that stuff, but I just can't do that, I'm getting old, y'all can't do it anymore. 
But here's the thing, like, you can defy your season for a little bit. See, Tyler, he could, he could jump in that ocean, but he ain't going to last very long. And it ain't going to be long till he's, oh, I need to get some heat on this body. But the thing is, this is sometimes how we act spiritually. We can try to defy our season and, and think that we could act a certain way. And, and God say, no, that's not the season that you're in right now. You're trying to wear board shorts and you need to have on a wetsuit. You, 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 you think everything's okay. You need to be praying right now. You, you, need, you need to know your seasons. So there's the story, and a little bit of, it's kind of crazy that Jesus is talking in all of these parables, and you could just imagine that the disciples are kind of freaking out, because Jesus has told them, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to die, there's going to be this resurrection, I'm going to leave you, and Jesus is just, you know, you could just imagine Jesus is kind of calm, cool, collective, this is what's going to happen, and to which if you're one of the disciples, you're like, that's intense, you know, you're, you're going to die, and there's going to be a cross, and there's going to be resurrection. And she's like, yeah. And so the disciples are freaking out. And, and, and honestly, it's a little bit about kind of what happened this week with Chris. See, Chris had this heart attack, and, and he literally died on the table for a moment. And when Chris woke up, he was like, I'm cool. Let's go get a cheeseburger. And his wife, Elisa, was freaking out. Like, you have no idea. And this is a little bit what's happening. The disciples are freaking out. And Jesus is just like, well, this is the way it's going to work. And he's like, let me tell you some of these stories. Let me help you understand. And so, he's, first of all, there's this story where there's these ten virgins. And, and, and the way that it's used here in, in this illustration, is it's, it's not just talking about uh, ten ladies who haven't had sex yet. This, is, this would be uh, saying this is ten people that they, they're pure. These are these are uh, these are ten ten people that are are, are set set aside. They're they're trying to live a good life. They're they're pure. They haven't uh, gone and done crazy stuff, and, and they all showed up. Every one of them showed up with with these lamps, and they're all in anticipation of listen. The bridegroom is going to come, so they're they're all ready. They're all there, and, and if you lined them up side by side to this point, they all look exactly the same. You can't tell the difference. You don't know which ones are wise, which ones are fools. They're, they're all there, and they're all pure, and they're all virgins, and they're all showing up, and they all have lamps. And then you know what else they all do? They all fall asleep. They all fall asleep. We all fall short. We all fall short. And, and so when there's that moment comes where we find ourselves kind of being quick to point fingers and saying, I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe he did that or she did that. Remember, we all fall short. We have all fallen asleep on the job. Remember Jesus in the garden? And his, what, what, Jesus is like praying as hard as he can. A man's sweating blood and the disciples are over there taking a nap. Like we all fall short. We all do it. Um, this was probably a couple months ago. Me and Devin were watching this movie. And in the movie, there was this, uh, this scene where this guy is about to get interrogated. And the guy brings these little clipper pull things. And he's going to pull out the guy's fingernail. 
And me and Devin are just sitting there, and we're like watching this on the movie. And the guy in the movie makes the comment, everybody breaks. Everybody breaks. And so I'm there with Devin, and we're talking. And I'm just like, how long do you think before you would break, girl? How long before you sell me out? You know, if it's a life and death situation, you know, and we're, we, we get into this. This is what we talk about, you know. And, and she's like, I don't even know, like, not even one fingernail. The second I see the pliers, like, he's in the back room, third door from the left. I'm like, girl. I was like, I'd at least take, I think, three fingernails for you. I'd at least hold out for three fingernails. And she's like, just sell me out quick. But the point is, we all break. I'm like, yeah, girl, I mean, by the fourth one, I might have to tell him where he at, you know. I, I, I don't know. But, but, but we all break. We all fall asleep. Like, speaking of falling asleep, my buddy Gary is in here this morning. And, and Gary has, or, or, or had, he's retired now, but he had this job where uh, he had to get on a lot of conference calls. And so he'd be on these conference calls, and everybody's listening in. And my man falls asleep in the middle of the conference. <laughs> he falls asleep. Nobody says anything. They just leave him. He wakes up like two hours later. My man's got a big drool going down. <laughs> I guess the call's over. <laughs> and everybody at work, like we've, we, we've, we've been there. We've all fallen short. And so if you were to look at this story to begin with, like, you have these women, you have this parable that Jesus is teaching us, and, and he says, listen, they've all shown up, they're, they're all pure, they all have their lampstands, uh, they, they all have fallen asleep, but there's a distinct difference because one is wise and one is a fool. Now, if you were to look at these words, the way it's used here in the Greek is uh, th this first one, wise. The, the Greek word is moros where we get the English word moron, which in itself is pretty funny, I, I thought. But the way that it translates from the Greek to the English literally means this, to be dull without an edge, lacking a grip on reality. To be dull without an edge, lacking a grip on reality. So there's this group that Jesus and this group, they're dull. That knife don't cut. The light's on, nobody's home. They, they are there. And then, and then there are these wise ones. And, and the word here is phronimos. And this word means this, a personal perspective regulating outward behavior. The root of it is where we get our English word diaphragm that controls bodily func functions from the inside out. Literally, the way we process things from the outside and what something's happening on the inside. And I read that this week, and I just began to think about that. Have, have, you, ever, have you ever looked at a person during worship? Or, or, or even you could be in just going through life and you see a person just like there's something different about them and there's something about during worship when I looked over and their hands were lifted high I don't know what it was but I could just tell that there's something different about them there was there was something that I saw on the inside but it translated because I knew that there was something deeper that they had on the inside than what I was just seeing on the outside 
There was something going on. See, like right now there's this moment where you see my chest going up and down. And so you know that my diaphragm is working and it's causing and giving space for my lungs to expand and contract. And therefore you know that I'm breathing. And so you're seeing an outward motion of something that's going on on the inside. And wisdom connects the two. Wisdom says, I see something that's happening on the, in, out on the outside, and it's directly connected to what's happening on the inside. Foolishness does not connect the two. Foolishness says, oh, his chest is just moving for whatever reason. It's just moving. Foolishness says, listen, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, all of this, it, it's just by chance. There is no God. Uh, all of this, everything that we see on the outside, it's just it just is what it is. There was a big bang. There was a boom. It was all by chance. But wisdom says, listen, I see all this. I see everything on the outside, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the plants, the trees, everything. And I know it points to something bigger. I know there's something happening on the inside, even though I can only see the attributes of what's happening on the outside. There has to be something bigger. There has to be a creator. If there's a creation, there is a creator. And this is wisdom. But foolishness does not connect the two. Foolishness says, well, it's just a matter of chance that your chest is moving in and out. And it has nothing to do with your diaphragm. And it has nothing to do with anything on the inside. It's only a reaction of what I am perceived and seeing on the outside. And, and so there's this distinct thing that's happening here. And Jesus is saying this is the difference between these groups. And here's the thing. When we come to Christ... We were dead before, and we become awakened to life in Christ. And so now, all of a sudden, when you see someone or there's something, man, I don't know what it is about that person. I don't know, there's just something that I can't explain. The thing it is is because there's something on the inside now. See, there is none good but God, but whenever there's, there's, there's some goodness that's coming out of me, it ain't me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's only by the sheer grace of God that we are where we are today. That any good that you see coming out of anybody is only by his grace. And the, and the good that you see, see, foolishness would, could, could say, oh, no, that, that, that's not Christ. You could just be good on your own. You, you, could, be, you could be a good little Christian, and, and that person can cannot do these things all on their own willpower, all on their own strength. That right there is foolishness. Wisdom knows that inside of you, there is no good thing. And if not but the grace of God, any, any, anything that you're seeing inside of me is all attributed to him. Wisdom and understanding. You can't be good on your own, just like you can't breathe without a diaphragm. It takes God. And only he can do it. And it's that awakening that happens in us. And yet so many of us, we've been taught that the goal of Christianity is to simply come to Christ and clean, your, clean yourself up, clean your act up, and that is what it is to be a good believer. If we could just get you to stop doing drugs and stop cheating on your wife, and we could just get you to, on the outside, look like you got everything together, then that is is what it means to be a good Christian. And in one way or the other, some of us have even believed that. That the entire goal of our life 
is to be a good Christian, that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we can live a little bit better, so that we can have a, a little bit more joy in our life, so we can ha have a little bit more peace and calm and all of these things. Jesus didn't die to make you better. He died to make you new. See, if we confuse the byproducts with the prime products, we will find ourselves living this life and trying to be something that only Jesus can do through us, and we'll find ourselves very, very frustrated because you can't do it. Like these virgins, you will all fall asleep. We will all fall short. And we'll find ourselves in this pattern over and over again. And yeah, we can get ourselves all cleaned up and look good to everybody on the outside. But on the inside, we know that even what the Bible refers to as dead man's bones. If Jesus would say it today, I think he would say, that's a Ferrari with no gas. It looks good on the outside, but it ain't going nowhere. The Taurus is going to beat it every time. And yet, sometimes this is, this is our concept. This is our, our, our idea of what it is. And the joy and the peace and the righteousness and the holiness that we experience from coming to know Christ, it's all a byproduct of knowing him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And it's not a prime product. And when we mix those two up, it changes everything. To know him. Here's what's interesting about the story. All these people are there and they're, they're pure and they're holy and they're waiting. They've got their lamps in. They're, they're on the lookout. They're, they're waiting for the, the bridegroom. And, and, and all of a sudden, the bell rings. Listen, the season, the time, it, it's among us. It's here. Here he comes. And to which now we really see the distinction between the wise and the foolish and, and the wise. And, we ain't got no lamp. We ain't got no oil for these lamps. We're about to run out. And to which they turn to their friends and they say, listen, let us borrow some of your oil. That's how, like we think, oh, as good Christians, we've we got to give them some of the oil because we've got some oil and then we've got to share it. Here's the thing, like, you can't help everybody. You can't help everybody. No matter how prepared you are. See, I can't preach a good enough sermon your church can't be the all in all. Your parents' faith, your friends, your neighbors, they don't have enough. Contrary to Jerry Maguire, that person does not complete you. They have all fallen short. And you've got to learn to get your own oil. You've got to learn that to come prepare. This, this, as hard as the scripture is, it's saying, listen, all of these things, you, you've got to go out. You, you, you've got to get your own oil. Yeah, I came, I came prepared, but, uh, but, but some of y'all didn't. And here's the thing. I don't have enough. I can't share with everyone. Other wells, I'll have none. And I think some of us are frustrated at other people for our shortcomings. Come on now. Some of us are frustrated at other people for our shortcomings. And we're mad at them because we didn't come prepared. Because we didn't come ready. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, there's this distinct difference between the wise and the foolishness. That's not just what you see on the outside. There's something on the inside. And listen, one of them came prepared. One of them knew. One of them was ready. They had their oil. Here, here's the thing. 2018, this is the year of no more excuses. This is the year of no more excuses. You've told yourself enough times, enough reasons why you can't do it. I, I can't do it because, because of this. Or, Lucas, you don't know what kind of situation I've grown up with or, or my income or the financial situation or, or, or what's happening or my education or whatever. No more excuses. To know your time, to know your season, to know what time is among us. Like this, Jesus is telling us, listen, you have got to come ready. No more excuses. Listen, we live in a time where there is no excuse why we can't seek God. I mean, you are, you could pull out your phone and you have 14,000 translations of the Bible. You got every commentary. You've got millions. You, you can listen to the best preachers in the world's podcast. You could hit play. You could, you could hear uh, stuff from Harvard and, and Cambridge and all of these. I mean, just absolute for free. We have no more excuses no more excuses of why we can't and here's what i here's what i love about it because even in this story even back then two thousand years ago these ladies are telling me go get your own oil buy it from others that are selling it so in other words there's no shortage it's right there you just got to go get it you've got to put in the hard work you've got to do it there's no more excuses. Um, this was, I don't know how many years ago. I, I get time, like, the other day could have been 20 years ago for me. No clue. But um, the other day, I, I was in the season where I, had, I think I graduated college. I think I was in Florida, maybe, and uh, kind of working for this company. End up through a series of events, getting connected with this uh, very well-known to-do businessman that uh, owned a lot of co companies, a lot of corporations, all this stuff. And um, I got connected with, through another person that said, hey, you need to meet this guy. Y'all need to have dinner together. And um, anyway, they set it up. So we go in to have the dinner. And the person that I'm there with, the mutual acquaintance, uh, begins to kind of sing my praises to this person. Hey, you know, this is Lucas. And, and begin to say some of the things that were kind of going on. I mean, he's, he's, he's working two jobs. Um, he, he, he reads 30-something uh, books a year. Um, he, he's going, doing some more classes online and just, like, kind of gives them this resume. And I'm sitting there like, oh, please, just, just stop, you know. Uh, but here was the amazing part. She, like, told all of this, and I'm assuming, like, to try to maybe impress this guy. And he looks at her. He looks me in the eyes. After she, this whole, of, of what someone even could say, like, oh, man, this guy's so good. He looks at me and he says, good, that's what he should be doing. And I thought to myself, you're absolutely right. Because that's the season of life I'm in right now. And I need to be working as hard as I can. And I need to be reading as much as I can. I need to be finding, and I need to be working 18 hours a day. Why? Because this is my season. And, and, and whenever he said that, it was like something inside of me. See, because everyone else could kind of say, oh, it's okay. 
It's okay that, oh, maybe you'll have, and, and every, see, other people will try to give you excuses of why you can't. Other people will try to give you pats on the back, and, oh, it's okay that, no, it's not. You need to be out there doing it. You need to go get your own oil. And the reason, partially why he was as successful as he was is because he paid the price to be where he was. And see, I haven't paid my price yet. I haven't paid my dues. And see, sometimes I think we pick up the Bible and we read the stories and we want all of the blessing, but we don't want to pay the price that they paid. I mean, I read about Paul and I'm like, man, he's, some of the stuff, the miracles that are happening, Peter, the things that he's walking on water, but I don't want to pay the price that he paid. And you can't have one without the other. And if you don't understand your season, you'll be sleeping when you need to be working. There's this moment in the book of Genesis in chapter 49 um, where Jacob is praying, he's blessing his son, and, and he gets down uh, to Benjamin. And it says this in Genesis 49, 27. It says, Benjamin, and this is a prophetic word over his life. It says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey, and in the evening, he divides the plunder. In the morning, he devours his prey. See, I think that's a little bit of the problem with some of my, my generation and younger, as we don't want to devour in the morning time. We want to, we want to splice up all the spoils without having to do all the hard work. And see, the thing, if you haven't done the work up front, there ain't going to be nothing to plunder later. You've got to do the work up front. You've got to know your season, and you've got to know. And see, you might not know the day or the hour, but you can know the season. And I'm here to tell you that the bridegroom is on his way. That 2018 is a year of harvest. That the harvest is plentiful. That Brunswick County is wide open to the gospel. That there are so many people out there that need to hear the gospel and they need to see the love of Christ shining forth from your face. Because there's something on the inside of you that needs to recognize with someone else on the outside that, listen, there's something going on in their life and I don't know what it is. And, and I see something in their life and it's going to draw them and it gives you the opportunity to say, it ain't me. It's Christ in me. Let me tell you about them. The harvest is plentiful. It is ready. But we can't have no excuses. We can't have no excuses. God, this is why I can't do it. This is, this is, a, this is the moment where we devour our prey. This is the time where you go for it. This is the time where you lay it all on the line and say, Jesus, I'm going to step out in faith, and I don't know what's going to happen, but if you don't show up, I'm going to fall on my face. And I need you, Lord. I need you to show up. I'm stepping out. I'm doing something. Uh, I'm coming ready. I'm coming prepared. E even if the pastor's sermon didn't do it this week, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to find you on my own. I'm going to bring my own oil. Because the harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Listen, that there would be more workers. You don't want to know what the workers look like? They look like you. They look like you. The plans and the gifts and the call that God has placed on your life, some of you guys, you've showed up and you've got your lamp, but your oil's run dry. You've lost your passion. 
Somewhere along the line, you told yourself 2018 is going to be just like any other year. Well, Lucas, I was excited about 2017, and you just don't know what happened. And so 2018 is going to be just like that. And Lucas, you don't know. I've been doing this, and I've been struggling with it. It's been the same way for the last 30 years. It's time we raise our expectations. It's time to stop focusing on what's been, and it's time to start focusing on who he is. And I'm here to tell you, he could do more in a moment than we could do in a lifetime of labor. He could take you from a pit to a palace just like that. He could take you from out just tending a few sheep in the wilderness, even when your daddy forgets about you and say, you know what, that's the next king. Right now where you're at, working in Walmart, unclogging toilets, putting electrical lines in, fixing people's cars. I say, no, you don't don't understand. I've been been preparing you your whole life, and you're getting ready to move into a new season. And I need you to understand that season. Because you've been fishing for fish for too long, but now you're getting ready to fish for men. You're not not just going to run somebody's electrical line in their house. You're going to be there, and you're going to be doing that work, and they're going to see the light inside of you, and it's going to be like just like that diaphragm. They know that your lungs are moving. They know that God's moving in your life, and you're going to draw people to me just by your very presence. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before the Lord with any excuses because he doesn't want to hear them. I know that sounds hard, but the parable ends with, listen, I didn't know you. The goal of this church is not to make you into good little Christians. The goal of this church isn't to make you look all good on the outside, and you've got to all of this stuff so everybody thinks that you're a good person. The worst thing would be for us to accomplish that. Because we would be bored to death. The goal of this church is to all of us be fully awakened to the life of Christ. That there is the, stand to your feet. That there is a Savior who speaks a word and, and the world is formed. And he lives inside of you. That there is hopes and there is dreams and there is passions that he has placed inside of you. And this is the season for them to come out. This is the time for it to shine. This is the time that we come fully awakened to the life of Christ. Fully awakened to what he wants to do in us. This is the time. This is the season. And there's no more excuses. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come to the sea.